Your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Jake Sanderson, and you're listening to Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Tim Stützle, and you're listening to the Locked On Senators Podcast. Welcome inside episode 559 of the Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Ross Levitan on the outskirts of enemy territory in Winnipeg, Manitoba, alongside Brandon Pillar up in the Blue Mountains in round one of the NHL Stanley Cup playoffs. Went just about as well as it could if you're an Ottawa Senators fan. Ross, stop me if you've heard this before, but the Toronto Maple Leafs lose in Game 7 again. Stop, stop, stop. I've heard it 18 years in a row. No, they haven't made it that many times. But when they do, now it's 0-10 in the Matthews-Marner era when they have a chance to eliminate their opponents. Of course, we're going to have some fun at the Leafs' expense, get into a preview of Round 2. But it's also an important offseason for the Ottawa Senators. So we're going to take a peek at our top five priorities for Pierre Dorian. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Now with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Go see it for yourself at betonline.net. It's where the game starts. And now the show starts. This is the Locked On Senators Podcast. Your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Senators your first listen on this Monday, May 16th. And Pilsy, Nick Paul, still doing it all. Nick Paul, like, absolutely sends the Leafs. You love to see that for the Sens Abroad team, Ross. And how about getting not only your first career NHL playoff goal, but a Game 7 winner. And not just any Game 7 winner, an absolutely amazing individual effort where... I didn't know Nick Paul had that kind of footwork in him. That was some amazing work with him kicking it over to himself and getting that goal. And then the Sally just looking at the Leafs fans like, you guys know me. You know so, me. So I have a half serious, half joking proposition. And it Ooh. came through my head after a couple glasses of vino on Saturday night, enjoying the Nick Paul show at Scotiabank Arena. If... On March 21st, Pillsy, March 20th, I guess, Nick Paul was traded the day before the NHL trade deadline. If you were told that it would guarantee a Game 7 Leafs loss, would you have done the trade, Nick Paul, for just the fourth round pick? Forget about Matthew Joseph. No, I don't, I don't think so. I'll, I'll take the half-joking of your argument there, only because <laughs> Matthew Joseph is absolutely incredible. Like, I think he's going to fit into this team well. He's Tom, he's one of Thomas Shabbat's best friends, and Ooh. he does a great job uh, fitting in with uh, the top line there. So I like Joseph. If you had told me, forget the fourth pick, then maybe, yeah. Oh. If the trade was one for one, Joseph for Paul. But, hey, we're happy for Nick Paul here. Like, what an um, amazing moment for him. And he deserves to enjoy some playoff success. And not much better places to enjoy playoff success than in Tampa, not Toronto. No doubt about that. And it was a Game 7 fueled by the Sends Abroad. Hashtag Sends Abroad. You can follow that thread on Twitter. At Sends Central is our home base there. You can follow the show LockedOn.Senators on Instagram. We appreciate you subscribing on our YouTube channel. The views are skyrocketing, as we hope the Senators do throughout this offseason. 
But we're going to keep that ball rolling each and every day, Monday through Friday, until through free agency, we'll take a little breather. And by breather, I mean we're still going three times a week. But for now, Monday through Friday, we've got a great interview planned tomorrow that we'll save. We'll let you marinate on that one overnight. And then Wednesday, we're getting back to our Send Central Citizen segments. Now that it's not pure chaos in the playoffs, we're going to mix that in each and every week right here on Locked On Senders. A few more notes from the end of round one. Then we're going to take a quick break, preview round two, and get into Pierre Dorian's off-season checklist. There are some very important moves that must be made. But Pilsy, we mentioned Nick Paul. We mentioned how the Sens have taken over Game 7s. Well, what else stood out to you? Was it Mika Zibanejad tying up Game 7 with under 10 minutes remaining with the Rangers? Was it Cody Cece scoring the game winner for the Edmonton Oilers? Or was it Vladimir Nemestikov getting on the score sheet last night for Dallas in their loss to Calgary? If you would have told me Cody Cece would score a big playoff goal in on any team in any circumstance, I would never have believed you. So that's probably the one that surprised me the most. But Mika Zibanejad had an unreal goal to tie things up. And the Rangers needed that because Pittsburgh was dominating in that game, Ross, before that moment. And that gave the momentum back in Madison Square Garden and ultimately led them to overtime where Panarin finished it off. So... Uh, a lot of great moments there. Nemestikov uh, goal, that's that's nice, but it didn't really uh, lead to where the Stars wanted it to. So I'll go with Cody Cece, most surprising. Mika Zibanejad, big moment. So Cody Cece played all 19 games when the Senators went to Game 7 of the Conference Final. He had one assist, no goals. One assist the entire run. I believe he's got five points so far through Round 1, and that's going to be a fantastic second-round series. But oh, yeah. Pilsy back... And we're talking about round one here. So the Leafs lose in heartbreaking fashion. And then the Penguins lose in overtime of game seven. You just can't draw it up any better if you're an Ottawa Senators fan, can you? Yeah, that felt really good. And uh, just uh, just to go over some numbers here. The, the since last since Leafs last cup account on Twitter, it's great follow for Sens fans. Listen to these numbers, Ross. This is absolutely insane. I'm ready. 20,102 days since a cup, 6,699 days since winning a playoff series, and let's not forget 812 days since losing to an AHL Zamboni driver. So those are great stats uh, for all the Leafs haters, and honestly, I... Maybe people don't believe me, but not for one single second did I doubt that Tampa was going to win this series. There wasn't a moment in time, not a fraction of time. Like, let's let's go back to when we started our playoff talk, Ross. I think I went off on one of my most derailed rants in a while, and I've had a few of them, and I just went full Leafs hater mode. And then after, I was like, maybe I went a little too much. No, not at all, because it all ended up coming true, and the Leafs losing game seven again and will continue to lose game sevens and you know how i feel about mitch marner him uh his yeah, good couple games good couple games yeah good, good for him but the yeah. thing is his press conference he talked about we got to come back better next year etc cetera, etc cetera. but the thing the reason why the Leafs will never win is what he said is we need to come back um quicker and faster and all that kind of stuff no, that's not the issue. Like the lead, you you don't need more skill, more speed. You've got all that. You need more toughness, 
better goaltending, better defending. Like there's so many other things they need. And in their mind, they're just like, oh man, if we skated a little faster, if we had a little more uh, edge on our skates uh, doing pivots, we would have had it. Like that's why they're doomed to fail is because they can't understand how to win in the playoffs. Sure, speed, some more speed would be great in the regular season. And yeah, maybe get a couple extra uh, points for your regular season. Congrats, raise the banner. But you're not going to win in the playoffs with that formula. And they, they're just not able to get it. How about Andre Vasilevsky with an 897 save percentage in this series? That would usually be cause for concern when the team MVP, who's been unreal in the postseason has a sub 900 he and jack campbell actually had identical save percentages but in this series unlike jack campbell vasilevsky is able to shut it down in the big moments and yep. when whenever tampa got a loss what did they do boom yeah. come back with the win game seven elimination game what does tampa and vasilevsky do they're able to shut it down and get it done unlike the leafs and this we're, we're teetering on fun hating and then just downright being down bad but it's too fun not to bring up and you can go on twitter at send central we tweeted out the video there of full-on gong show in the concourse leaf fans turning into lord of the flies eating each other have nothing else so hey take your wins where you can get them right because if a leaf fan fights a leaf fan somebody has to win when it counts and leaf on leaf crime exactly so um, some brutal swings. You could tell this was a, a battle of Oakville kids or some like people have never even like made a fist before, let alone thrown one. But you know, probably a lot of, do you know who my dad is comments? After oh that one. yeah. Yeah. It was a tough go train ride back to Burlington <laughs> after that, after this one for sure. But you look at the bottom line is that Senators fans get to sit back and hopefully understand that there's work to be done. It's fun to sit back and chirp from the cheap seats, but next season it's time to at least be in the mix for a playoff spot what do you think about Brady Kachuk being involved at the game on the broadcast the cameras love him because I feel like we're at the point now where we're getting everyone on sense Twitter almost where it's just like anyone who hates this is an idiot but I haven't seen anybody hating it it's like we're just arguing with each other to say (laughs) oh no this is good this is cool Anyone who thinks it's not cool isn't cool, but nobody doesn't think it's cool. Yeah, I agree with you there. And I I can understand maybe it seems a little weird, especially when it's your captain. And if he d- did this before signing the long-term extension, if this was RFA, Brady Kachuk, I might ha- have a little steam coming out of my ears. But the thing people need to understand is how close Brady and Matthew are. Like... Uh, Dude, we are high-fiving the shit out of Matthew at the Sens playoff run in a couple of years. Yeah, exactly. And and the thing is, like, Brady's a young guy supporting his brother and having a good time. There's nothing wrong with that. And if if they weren't brothers or, I don't know, or, or if Matthew played on, like, a legit rival team like Montreal, Toronto, or, or something like that, that, then I got some issues with it. It's a, it's yep. a bad look. But... I'm not. I'm not here to to be upset with Brady having a good time and supporting no. his family. So it's, it you won't see be, it from me. It would be such a bad look. And my favorite part: Haley Salvian, friend of the show, asked this question in the post game presser, asking Matthew, like, "Hey, did you see your brother was uh, throwing T-shirts out on a stage and like a huge uh, crowd outside?" And Matthew just kind of looks up and he's just classic old brother. He's like, "Well, yeah, he's been on quite the run since his season ended and all that," but. The funniest part to me is like he could be lifting the cup 
and someone's going to ask him, be like, hey, do you see Brady shotgunning beers outside with everyone? <laughs> like, it's just yeah. awesome. And, and that so, video that uh, Leems Martian posted of the the Kachucks just getting wild, like Walt was jumping around. Oh, I haven't seen yeah. Walt move like that since he played in Winnipeg, Ross. Like yeah, he was I do. moving. And Brady, I don't, I don't know, maybe he was a family member or something. I think he it was. Had, he was high-fiving Walt, too. And it would make sense. He had some kid on his shoulders, like just an absolutely electric moment. So I got no problem with that. Uh, that was actually Johnny Goudreau who was on his uh, shoulders. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Adam, well, hey. Fantastic game. Hey, we got to give stick taps, though, to Jake Ottinger, Brady Kachuk's oh, BU teammate. That might have been the best goaltending display I've seen in a long time. The play in overtime just before the goal, I unironically tweeted that he should get some Conn Smythe votes for that game alone. That was sick. For real. And Ross, for a goalie to have a .954 save percentage and take a team in Dallas that, I don't know about you, but I I didn't think they had much of a chance at all against the Calgary Flames and take them all the way to Game 7 when Dallas has had goaltending issues, not just all year, like for a couple of years now they've had goaltending issues and all the veterans they bring in are going down and he said, hey, uh, I'm ready. Like, give me the responsibility and I'll show you what I can do. And not a bad time to have a hell of a performance in a contract year. Sure, he's an RFA, but now he's got some leverage. That's for sure. Uh-oh, bad news coming out of the World Championships. We'll get to it on the other side. We also have Pierre Dorian's off-season checklist. Pierre Dorian is in Helsinki at the World Championships. I'm sure his heart rate's up a little bit. We'll tell you why after Pilsy has a word from one of our favorite sponsors. Yep, and if you need, it's it's Monday morning, guys. There's a lot of week left here. You need to power yourselves up with some protein, and why not get your protein in a delicious way? It's Built Bar, the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. The reason I love Built Bar so much is they find a way to make their protein bars taste good, and then they say, how can we make this a health benefit product? Like, if you love marshmallows as a kid, which I'm sure everybody did, Why not have protein-infused marshmallows? That's exactly what they do with the Built Puffs. And all Built Bar protein bars, including the Puffs, are covered in 100% chocolate. So all you chocolate lovers, this is the protein bar for you. They have so many amazing flavors to choose from. Double chocolate for you chocolate lovers. Raspberry, so many fruit options. And what I like about Built Bar too is they know when to bring around uh, seasonal ones. Like for Halloween, you're going to get your pumpkin ones. For Christmas, maybe you get some candy cane. For Easter, you get um, all sorts of fun ideas. They keep it fresh at Built.com. And you should check out Built built.com because you can get a pretty sweet promo code head to built.com today and use our promo code locked 15 to get 15 percent off your next order if you haven't tried built bars yet get the mix box so you can try all the flavors and why not save a little cash while you're there once again that's locked 15 for your promo code for 15 percent off your next order at built.com it's built bar the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar all right, Pilsy. Bad news out of the World Championships. Tim Stutzla has left Germany's game against France with an apparent knee injury, and it's the same knee that Nick Suzuki caught in that game against Montreal. Yeah, this is absolutely brutal. And I, I know it doesn't matter who the opponent is, but against France, like a, a nothing team, and in a early game, this happens. Ugh. Can you see the video right now? Yeah, I can see it, but I don't want to see it. 
kind of a nothing play. Just kind of a nothing play, hey? Yeah, and that's uh, like I'm not upset at that French player. I don't I don't know who it was there because really it was just an awkward hit where his two knees kind of collide together and they jam up against the boards. Yeah, there you see it right there, and there's not a shred of doubt he knows it's bad right away. Oh boy. No way, man. Hopefully that's not serious because Timmy needs a, a summer of bulking up. The one qualm that some people and fairly so could have about his unreal end of the year is let's see it a little bit better in the face-off dot. As with a lot of young players, Pilsy, big face-off guy, we know that. But that would suck if his off-season training is is messed up because of a game against France. Yeah, and, and I actually, like, Timmy, I don't know if he needs that much bulking up, Ross. He looks like a big kid already. Like, the size of his arms are pretty massive in the post-game pressers. I think it's just about experience, right? And Having him uh, being able to have a good offseason where he can train, he can get ready and not have any health injuries or anything linger. And that knee, the same knee, it looked bad. So luckily, there's a long offseason ahead. And I I would be shocked if he comes back into this tournament. And if if I'm Pierre Dorian, I'm going down to the dressing room and saying, yeah, you can head on home to Germany right now or head on back to Ottawa and visit our doctors because... You're 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 not re-aggravating a serious injury in this tournament. You just can't afford to do that. So we're praying for Tim Stutzla. That is that is tough news to start off this week. Hopefully it's nothing serious, but Brandon Pillar, not a doctor, but that looked bad. Yeah, did not look good. Follow us on Twitter at Send Central. We'll post an update there. And of course, tomorrow on Locked On Senators, where we've got a very special guest, one who's been on the airwaves in Ottawa. For more than 20 years. But Pilsy, let's do our quick predictions right now. Then we'll finish up the show with Pierre Dorian's off-season to-do list. Who do you have moving on? So the matchups are the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Florida Panthers. Florida with home ice advantage in that series. Battle the of other, Florida. The other series in the East is the New York Rangers and the Carolina Hurricanes. Carolina gets home ice in that one out west the colorado avalanche who've been chilling after defeating nashville in exactly seven days they will take on the st louis blues who had a tough battle but quicker than i would have thought against minnesota and then the final series pilsy what do we have for it oh boy it's the crown jewel it is the edmonton oilers and calgary flames the battle of alberta we're looking forward to all that before you tell me which picks you have this one might be the easiest question I ever ask you, but which series are you most looking forward to watching? Ross, the Battle of Alberta has not happened in the playoffs in 31 years. This is the one. I mean, and what a good time for this to happen because it's not like one team is heavily favored up against the other or it's it's a complete mismatch or anything like that. I think these two teams are very well matched up against each other. And to just be going up and down the road in Alberta for these playoff games. Like we're going to see a lot of animosity. We're going to see a lot of hatred in this series. Like if you think, if you think Matthew Kachuk and John Klingberg got into it, wait till you see what happens up against Edmonton. I think we're going to see things turned up a couple notches here. And I'm so fired up for this, especially because I was nervous. Maybe this would just be a Jacob Markstrom beats Mike Smith 
type of deal. But Mike Smith has really bounced back, and he's shown that he can uh, perform in the playoffs. So that's good that at least there's not a massive mismatch there. And I'm fired up about this one. It's an easy question. Unbelievable. It's going to be so much fun. I've got the Calgary Flames winning it in six games. Both Pilsy and I went seven for eight in our round one predictions. Pilsy had Boston, and I had Minnesota. But otherwise, we went seven for eight each of us. So these picks, I mean, head to betonline.net. We've got some series Mm -hmm. prices for you at betonline.net. We've got the, we'll do it series by series. So Calgary is minus 195 against Edmonton. Edmonton plus 170 there. I've got Calgary in six games. How about you? I've got Calgary in seven just because I think the the emotions of this series are like no team is going to let the other one get off easy. So right. I got this going to seven. All and right. I'm also just hoping that for a hockey fan perspective. Absolutely. Now this series will stick out west. Then we'll do the two east series. Colorado in the second round of the playoffs is minus 400 at betonline.net and Honestly, my boy Chris Green messaged me on Twitter. He said, you're sleeping on the Blues, but I've just been awoken to the avalanche. This team is a wagon. They were a wagon before Kale McCarr turned into Kale McCarr. Talk about an extra level. Devon Taves coming in, point per game against uh, Nashville as well. So I'm looking at the Colorado Avalanche and saying, nah, who's going to stop them? Now, Ryan O'Reilly revenge game, in a sense, the team that drafted him, but this to me it's the avalanche's year it's their series i've got them winning in five games yeah i've got them winning in five games as well ross the the only thing that's kind of hindering me about the clean sweep is the fact that they've been resting for so long i'm of the mind that that kind of rest in the playoffs is not an advantage unless you're you have star players nursing injuries then they get healthy and they come back but the St. Louis Blues just went through one hell of a battle up against the Minnesota Wild, and they've got that adrenaline still pumping. And they know, as you just read the odds, that they are the heavy, heavy underdogs. And they're no slouches on that team. We talked about it before. Nine twenty goal scores. You want to talk about Colorado Avalanche depth? The St. Louis Blues have depth as well. Now, do they have that top-end talent? No. So that's where things really shift here, and home ice advantage for the Avalanche is going to be big here. So I think St. Louis sneaks a game, and I think the games are going to be closer than people think. Like, I don't really sense too many blowouts happening. St. Louis hasn't even, like, really committed to a goalie, right? They started with Huso, now they've gone to Bennington. Sounds to me like a recipe for disaster when you're going up against a team who just brings it in waves offensively. But, yeah, I've got them winning one game, probably game three at home. You're fired up, your first game back, that sort of thing. As we head east, let's save best for last. My Rangers, plus 170 in this series against Carolina, who are minus 195 favorites. This is going to be my biggest play at betonline.net. I'm going with the Rangers. I've got them in six games. I think that they've gone through a bit of adversity here, going down 3-1 against Pittsburgh. They win three straight games. They look great doing it. Shesterkin, he had a couple shaky games, got pulled even. Twice in a row, Ross. He got pulled twice in a row, and his save percentage is still over 900 for the series. That's how, I mean, when you go to triple overtime, that's one thing. I mean, they lost the game still, but what do you have, 71 saves? 79 saves. (laughs) Yeah, that'll help the save percentage overall. But all that to say, man, that was his first taste of playoff action at the NHL level. And don't tell me the bubble was playoffs. This is MSG 
rocking. This is a tough barn to play in on the road in Pittsburgh. But to me, he's got some experience now. Now, the one thing that worries me a little bit with the Rangers is they they weren't getting as much. I mean, maybe they've shut me up now, but their, their top end guys weren't producing at the level that you might expect them to. But then what do they do in game seven? Mika gets the game tying goal and then Panarin gets the game winning goal. The so play. Yeah. They, they need to continue that up because Panarin, I mean, still seven points in seven games. So maybe I should just shut up. But I, I just felt like, you know what? Maybe it's their depth guys who, who could do a little bit more like Ryan Strom, just one goal in seven games. But this to me, it's just a wagon. It's just a great team. So uh, I'm excited to, to keep rooting for them for the next two rounds and uh, make a couple bucks uh, for my futures at betonline.net. So uh, yeah, so long story short, I've got the Rangers here winning in six games and that value plus 170 for the yeah. series. I love it. Yeah, I love that value too. I'm hopping right on that train with you. And I don't, maybe, maybe I'm sleeping on the Hurricanes, but I, I don't see them as having kind of the complete team for the playoffs, especially with the, with the goaltending being a little shaky. Uh, so I, I've got the Rangers winning this one because give, give Shesterkin some time to get back into form. And now that Panarin is, is feeling it and Zabanejad as well, they're going to be a tough team to uh, stop. So I've got Rangers in six as well. The Battle of Florida, Woo! a rematch of last yep. year's first round series. Tampa Bay plus 130, and the Florida Panthers are minus 150. Anthony Duclair was a healthy scratch for them in this first round for the Florida Panthers. This guy scored 30 goals this year. I got Tampa, though. I got the jersey back there. I I got Tampa winning this series. I think that uh, they've just been so impressive to me. The fact that without Braden Point, other guys step up. Nick Paul does it all. But this is just a team. They got to figure out this Brandon Hagel guy. I can't believe they got two first round picks for him and yep. only only a fourth plus a good player in Matthew Joseph for Nick Pauly. Brandon Hagel almost single handedly lost in that series against Toronto, taking bad penalties, bad giveaways. But outside of that one little thing, they're just such a wagon, man. And there's no chance going on record. There's no chance Andre Vasilevsky has an eight ninety seven save percentage again. If he does, then my pick sucks. Yeah, although. This is another run-and-gun type team in Florida, so we could see similar type games. But, Ross, that like the fact that Braden Point went down in Game 7 in the first period, that just even emphasizes the fact that the Leafs are cursed even more. Like It was right on a platter for them. Game 7, at home, Braden Point injured. It's right there for you, and they can't grab it. So You know what, though? The Leafs deserve to have that happen to them. They did have to play, I believe, the whole series. Wasn't it game one? Tavares was hurt last year. Uh, I think it was game one. He took that knee to the head in, in game one. It was in Toronto I, for sure. I forget what game it was. It was well, early All the in games the were in Toronto, weren't they? No. Oh, yeah, uh, that wasn't. Was the bu- you're in the bubble. You're in two yeah. years ago. Yeah. Because <laughs> so. remember, 500 going to feel like 5,000. Yeah. 5,000, 5, whatever it is. That guy, he had his five minutes. Uh, <laughs> but that to say, they had to deal without their top center. So now they had to get beat and show that teams can win when they have big injuries. But that's neither here nor there, because why are we talking about the Leafs? We're previewing round two. Nobody's (laughs) previewed the Leafs and talked about round two the same time since 2004. Were podcasts even a thing in 2004? I don't don't know. I don't don't think so. I I know that uh, they did a last time Leafs won a playoff series. Shrek 2 was coming out. Uh, So that was a a big moment, if you can remember, when Shrek 2 came out. And there were some other funny ones, too. But 2004 seems like a lifetime ago. I mean, Ross, 
the the draft eligible players for this year are 2004 birthdays. That's <laughs> how long ago that was. Unreal. Unreal. Yes. That really is. Uh, who's your pick in this series? Uh, I got Tampa in six. Just, just because, uh, like you said, Vasilevsky having that poor of a performance again only one goal against in game seven yeah is not is not gonna happen so and can we can we get a round of applause for the toronto maple Leafs? they broke up vasilevsky's streak of five straight shutouts in an elimination game so they can by getting one goal (laughs) okay the last thing we'll say about the Leafs, but this is all time (laughs) funny did you hear sheldon keefe said this year was different because we felt like we had a lot of respect from tampa in the in the handshake line congrats that's that's, <laughs> back to all time. No, uh, no, Ross, this the, year's different. The Leafs forced respect in the handshake line. That's okay. their win. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, that guy got race. I think he had thirty eight replies and zero likes on that tweet. Um, hey, more news. The Edmonton Oilers have called up Kyle Turris. Chains out for Kyle here, and I'm not wearing mine. I well, was trying to. Pull they up my they caught on to the sends abroad movement. They're like, yeah. all these sends abroad are lightening up in clutch moments. We got to get Kyle Turris up. Kyle Turris and Derek Broussard have never lost a second-round series when playing on the same team. Huge. That's your stat of the day. As Sens Abroad have taken over this Stanley Cup playoffs. Maybe later in the week, we'll do a Sens Abroad check-in on the playoff production, kind of like we did years ago in the bubble. If I can find time to do that, I will. The playoff series, we should mention, start tomorrow. Tuesday, we'll have Florida against Tampa Bay, and then we'll have Colorado against St. Louis. Louis. On Wednesday, it'll be New York and, and I almost said Pittsburgh, New York and Carolina, and then the Battle of Alberta Wednesday night. And then it'll just alternate day on, day off. As we're talking, this is all brought to you by our friends at betonline.net. And that's where you can get all the lines, props, odds, more than ever before. Go to betonline.net to find the totals, player performance props, lots of great things to bet on at betonline.net. Just like where the next fired coach is going to land. How about Pete DeBoer out with Vegas, the least loyal team in NHL history? Bet Online remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. It's Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, Pilsy. So the offseason is underway for Pierre Dorian and his team. He's currently at the World Championships, where today, he would have gotten a great glimpse at two draft eligibles with Team Slovakia, Simon Nemec and Uri Slavkovsky. If you want a quick primer for our draft coverage coming up, we started it out last week with a look at some potential options for the Senators at 7th overall and Pilsy, our mock draft 1.0, which people seemed interested in. So we're going to do three overall. Once we get the playoffs over with, we'll do one. And then once every entity has their final rankings off, I think it'll probably be the day before the NHL draft, we'll do our final yeah, mock draft. We'll but definitely those, do one right before the draft. just uh, as a But one in between. One yeah. in between. Because we had some some fair comments. And go have your say on our YouTube channel or on Twitter. You can comment on that. Like People are saying, Slavkoski, fifth overall. Are you crazy? And the more that I see this guy against men in the world championships, like the Olympics, albeit a big stage, a bit watered down competition. No I mean, NHL MVP league. of the tournament, though. Fair. Seven That's goals, seven games. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's fair. And he's that big prototypical winger. So I get it. 
But just looking at which teams were, were drafting there, like Arizona and Seattle, those are two teams. Like Arizona may as well be an expansion team with what, where they're at with the talent on their roster. Like a right shot defenseman. They're so rare. They're so such a, a commodity to get. I just like those two, Nemich and Juracek, those guys are going to go high in this draft. So it, it kind of throws everything else for a loop. What if the Habs go up there and just say, you know what? Let's get Galaxy Brain. I don't know. Obviously, in our graphic, the one pick that we showed was Shane Wright. I think he's locked in yeah. at number one. But all that to say, Pierre Dorian has a decision to make at seventh overall and many decisions to make after that. So let's get in to Pierre Dorian's offseason priority checklist. Pilsy, let's start with number one because this one – it's pretty obvious. Number one is extending a number one center in Josh Norris. And sure, you can say maybe someday Tim Stutzel will be the number one center. But for now, 30 plus goals in a shortened season for Josh Norris, he is the number one center. And that's got to be a goal number one because the Senators cannot have another offseason where they have an RFA like they did Brady lingering and contract talks, same agent go through training camp and have him signed hours before the season opener. They cannot, the home opener even at that. They cannot have that happen again. They need to get going on this thing. And I think maybe a lot of people are kind of arguing, uh, maybe you, you bridge Norris and so that you can have more flexibility to give Tim Stutzla an extension. I don't see a world where Norris and his camp go for a bridge deal. He just had one of the best seasons you can have as a young centerman. He's noted as the number one centerman right now. So there's no better time to cash in on a long-term deal than now if you're Norris. And I think if you're the Senators, you want some peace in mind knowing you have your top line locked up. And whatever happens, you can mix and move around. That's fine. But for me, the number one priority is signing Josh Norris to an extension. And a long-term extension at that. I know you said that Norris probably wouldn't be interested in a short-term deal. But if Dorian says, hey, look, we we, we kind of want to see what we have with Tim Stutzla this upcoming season. He needs his next contract as well. Would you like to take a three-year bridge deal? Because ultimately, even a two-year bridge deal, show us that you can be a 40-goal scorer consistently. And then the number is going to be even closer to double digits at that point. Like right now, he's got the sample size of being a 35 goal scorer, okay? And he did it in 66 games or uh, he missed a bunch of times. So yeah, on pace for 40, I don't think has the same leverage in a contract negotiation as two-time 35 goal scorer or even moving it up to the next couple of years and hitting 40. Would you be okay as... The organization, because we're talking about Pierre Dorian's perspective, of course, you're the you're the agent, you're the player, you want to maximize your value. But if you're Dorian, would you be okay with offering a two or three year bridge deal for Josh Norris? See, I'd be nervous to do that because what if Norris gets better? What if he had like you then you he's, just, earned, he's earned it? Yeah, but then then Tim Stutzla is gonna get better and I, I I really think it's best case scenario to get him signed long term uh, long term and the thing is Ross if Pierre Dorian decides I'm going to play hardball Josh Norris and his camps say sure you want to have another season where one of your top guys isn't signed through training camp we'll play hardball we've done well, this before last time we got what we wanted we can do it again so I don't think that's the right direction to go I think Josh Norris has the leverage now and I think 
you you can't have kind of another tense, awkward negotiation yeah. here. I think you need to get it done. And I like the long-term option personally. Here's why I'm arguing, and I'm not saying it should be short-term. I will celebrate to the, to the heavens if he gets to that seven, eight-year term. Pilsy, 66 games this year, the most he's ever played in a season. He's played 125 NHL games. I mean, not not to his fault, though. It's been COVID seasons. Yeah, and exactly. I mean, he played yeah. 56 out of 56 games. Yeah. But, I mean, the NHL, everyone talks about how it's a grind playing all 82. There is risk involved with giving a guy who's never played more than 66 games in a season an eight-year term at what I'd imagine is over $7 million a year. Definitely. But I don't see a lot of risk in a guy that can score on the power play like he does. Like, he... he you can put him in a class with, I mean, like Ovechkin calm down a little bit, but yeah, but you can put him in that area because he right. has that ability to have that kind of efficiency. And sure, yeah. the shooting success rate, it's it's not going to be sustainable at 20%. That's fine. But Number two in the NHL in the last 16 years of total. But that's because he has a great shot and he's a shoot first center playing with a guy that loves to muck it up in front of the net and cause chaos and bury rebounds. Like I just think it's a no brainer to get him done long-term because then, then you have that relief. You have that ease where if you do a bridge term bridge deal, and then who knows what happens with Tim Stutzla and then Jake Sanderson. Like, I just think it makes sense to get the core locked up while you can before, like I'd rather it be a problem that Norris is locked up and then you have to deal with Sanderson and Stutzla rather than Norris is a bridge, a bridge deal. And then you have to deal with him, Stutzla and Sanderson, right? Like True. why not check one off your list? And that's why it's number one on our top priority. Not a six year deal though. Okay. Yeah. You probably don't want to go that route. Yeah. I am not handling an off season where Norris, yeah. Shabbat and Brady Kachuk oh, all have no. their same contracts coming up. Yeah. Even stagger it a little. And Brady. Having the exact same amount of term left scares the living bejesus out of me. That's but. a future Locked On Senators podcast problem. Let's <laughs> not get into that now. I can't handle that, Ross. Yeah, yeah, we don't have to. But bottom line, whether it's short or long term, the bottom line... Oh, no, no, sorry. It's was, it was Batherson. 27, 28. Yes. Brady and Shabbat are the same year. And uh, Batherson is one year before that right now. And then... Colin White is one year before that, but we're going to discuss him in just a moment. Bottom line, whether it's short or long-term, having Josh Norris sign before training camp has to be the number one priority for this team and for this management team who should should be on the hot seat if they get out to a bogus start like they have in back-to-back seasons, winning only four of their first 20 games. Unacceptable. Jobs have to be axed if that's the case. We'll finish up with another job who uh, caught some heat over the weekend. But Pilsy, number two on Pierre Dorian's off-season checklist is... Acquire a top six winger, whether that is through free agency, whether that's through a trade, and I'll even add a little more, acquire a veteran top six winger because bringing another young guy in or bringing a guy who had a down year and you say, oh, he's going to bounce back this year, cannot happen. He needs to be someone who is in the prime of his career, locked up to a long, well, I shouldn't say prime of his career because Claude Giroux, I wouldn't argue, is in the prime of his career, yet he still produces at an elite rate. But it has to be someone who they know 
can transition seamlessly into the top six and they're not banking on him having a big year. They're banking on them staying consistent as they have. So we've talked about this a whole bunch. Fiala, Giroux, those are the top two guys. There's other options. If you want to hear about those other options, check out our previous episodes about which top six wingers to acquire. Um, So, Well, a lot of people are saying, where the heck Claude Giroux? We specifically targeted trades. Yes, those are trade options. Exactly. Um, So that's number two on the list because once you get your centerman locked up in Norris, then then you slot down. You say, okay, top line, good, check. How can we improve this second line? Even though I think it's likely Stutzla and Batherson will be on that second line, I have no issues at all if they put in permanent marker, top line, Kachuk, Norris, Batherson, and then figure out the second line like that. Nothing wrong with that at all, as those guys are absolute studs. So that is number two on the list is going out. Because you got to solve the problems in-house first, right? Before you can move on, figure out your own stuff, and then you look at, uh, to other options. Well, this one, you could still acquire the top six forward and then get back into an in-house problem. And number three, you have to find a way to move on from Nikita Zaitsev. It is ridiculous at this point. He's been here for three seasons. I've had enough of watching him fumble the puck. I've had enough of watching him ice the puck, keep tired players on the ice, yeah. and have the other team just hem the Senators in their own zone consistently like if there was a stat for most time spent in certain areas of the ice I know he gets a lot of defensive zone starts and honestly that's an indictment on DJ Smith as well I like DJ but that is an indictment on who he but you don't want to start him in the offensive zone either (laughs) well he wanted him on the team in general so I think that we can kind of rationalize it however we want but DJ wanted him here and he wanted him here to be an elite defender the only reason he's elite at it is because he does it more than anyone else because the puck is never controlled on his stick when he gets it. It may as well be a grenade. He just hits it off the glass. I'm surprised he doesn't lead the league, and maybe he does in delay of game penalties where he just flips the puck over the glass because he's never made a seam play through the middle. He's never hit the centerman coming out and, and curling in right inside the blue line. Like That's the kind of defender that Tim Stutzla needs when he plays center, especially him. Norris as well, but to a lesser extent. When Timmy gets the puck with speed curling out of his zone, all of a sudden he gets a controlled zone entry 90% of the time. Having Zaitsev on this team is holding them back, and you could call you could call number three trim the fat because there's some other guys who need to go. We know uh, Tierney and Mete won't be back. That's a good start. Yep. But there's still some other guys here where it's addition by subtraction. And honestly, Pilsy, they have Tampa's second-round pick, and that's going to be a late second. If you have to give up Ottawa's own first – or sorry, second-round pick, okay. like 37, 38th overall, whatever it is, I'm I'm doing it. I, Do I it. don't care. I, Do I, don't, I don't care. I need him off the team. I need it. Yeah, like I need it, air to breathe. It, it's just – it's run its course, and it hasn't worked out. He's got two years of signing bonuses coming up, so we know the Sens don't like dealing with that. They need to move on from him. I don't see the buyout option being the proper route for Zaitsev. I think you got to start calling um, Bill Arizona. Armstrong yeah. in Arizona. Like that, that's where this has to go. And that's and the convince best them. Be like, hey, you guys kind of revitalize Shane Goss's bear to a degree. Like, hey, maybe he could be an elite defender for you. And I mean, you don't even have to convince them. You can be like, what do we got to do for you to take him? And you we'll guys do like that. Connor Bedard? You guys like Matt V. Mitchkoff? <laughs> yeah. Boy, do I have a cheat code for you. Yeah. no. Well, we've seen that cheat code 
almost worked successfully for the Senators when it wasn't supposed to work with Zaitsev being around and the Senators picking in the top 10 year after year after year after year. So, yes, addition by subtraction, Zaitsev is the number one concern. He's got to go. Number four, buy out Colin White. And this one hurts my heart a little bit to say. We love Colin White. The boys love Colin White. 4.75 million. You were discussing with me this one-third buyout. How much would they be saving over the next four years? I've got it right here, Ross. And again, it sucks when you have a high-character guy that there was so much promise. And we we got to remember, he was the first guy to sign long-term and say, yep, I'm sticking around with the Sens. I mean, for that money. <laughs> yeah, but but still. like yeah, He could have right. been like, ah, I don't like where this team's going. I don't believe in the direction. I don't believe in the core. I'll just take my little paychecks here. Oh, little. I'll take my paychecks here and there and call and call it a day and hit UFA and make my own decisions. But he he decided I'm going to stick with it. And you, you got to have some respect there. But it's just, it's not working out. And the buyout at the one-third option just makes so much sense. So here's the numbers, Ross. Total cost, 5250000 That's only 500000 more than one year of his cap hit total cost of the contract if they buy it out. The total savings are $10 million and $10,500,000. And the annual cost is only going to be $875,000. So an entry-level contract every year until 2027, 2028. And that's hardly a hit on your cap. You're not going to notice it at all. Colin White's going to get an opportunity to play somewhere else. where For like $2 million. Probably where he's going to fit in better. And I just think it makes so much sense. If we're not dealing with the one-third buyout ratio and it's the typical two-thirds buyout ratio, maybe you start thinking about keeping him around and hoping that he can be a glue guy and he can be a solid bottom six player. But you have to take advantage of this opportunity with the one-third buyout. And if you're looking, if you're looking at extending Norris, Stutzla, Sanderson, bringing in a top six winger, bringing in more players, you need to dump this contract. It sucks to say, but this is a big priority for the Sens because you're not going to have this opportunity next year if you decide you want to do this. You're going to have to pay the two-thirds price. Sure, one year's knocked off, but you've paid a full year of that salary to get to that point. So it's tough. But what, what's the famous saying, Ross? Hockey is a business, and you have to make a business decision here. Yeah, in his last 130 games in the last two years, he's got 20 goals. But, I mean, he, he's settled into a kind of a defensive rhythm, and people knew when they drafted him that he'd be a defense-first type player. But they also drafted him to be a centerman. And now with the emergence of Tim Stutzla's center, Josh Norris, and mm-hmm. Shane Pinto, Mark Kasselik, Ridley Gregg, guys coming up who are going to be fighting for spots, like, He's going to have to be a third-line right wing, if not fourth-line right wing, because we're talking about adding a guy in the top six. And, I mean, Joseph was playing right wing. He's kind of a lefty-righty. You can kind of move him, plug and play, wherever you need to. But I just don't see where you you can have a guy making almost – and in his last year of his deal pills, he's making $6.25 million. Like, you just can't have it. And this is the last summer that they're going to be able to have him on that one-third buyout. So I hate to say it. But Colin White has to be bought out unless you can find a trade partner with him. And I, take- I even think the buyout makes more sense because if yeah. you find a trade partner, you're going to have to retain salary. You're probably going to have to sweeten the deal. It doesn't make sense. And look, I thought, Ross, all right, when he came back from injury, there was big opportunities for him. He got 24 games this year at the end of the year. Three goals, seven assists. Yeah. Like, it wasn't enough. So. No. 
It wasn't. Uh, this one we'll just quickly touch on because I think we can do a full episode on this, but they've got to bring in at least one steady defenseman, like a Nick Holden, like what they did, where it's nothing crazy. You're hoping Jake Sanderson can step in there. But this year, they used 12 different defensemen pills. Yeah. You need to have depth. I don't want to see Dylan Hetherington play NHL games anymore. I want it to be a guy who you bring in on like a one-by-one one one contract, yeah. and maybe he's, a, he's from the scrap pile. A Not a two-by-two. No, exactly. Let's cut that one in half. But yeah. I do think that they need to bring in a defenseman um, just as as more depth, more reassurance, because guys are getting hurt all the time. And you don't want to be in a situation where, let's say, Sanderson or Shabbat, God forbid, they get a long-term injury early in the year. Yeah. You need to be able to have depth to reinforce and not just be like, oh, we lost Clark Bishop as well, so <laughs> season's over. 20 yeah. games in. I don't want any that type of talk. And of course that was with the center ice position earlier this year when Pinto and then Norris went down, but all that to say, Pilsy, this is going to be a crucial off season for Pierre Dorian. I'll let you answer that and just discuss what you think other, other things that could be very important. And then we're going to finish up today's show by going through what your reactions are on Twitter at sense central. we got a lot of great responses there. So we'll roll through that in just a moment, but Pilsy, like we talked about five, are those the only five things for you that need to happen for Pierre Dorian this offseason? Honorable mention for, uh, well, just quickly on the defenseman. If there's one thing that Pierre Dorian has done every offseason, it's bring in those types of defensemen. Yep. Now, is it the right type of defenseman with the right contracts at the right time of their career and the right fit? No, it hasn't really worked out other than uh, Nick Holden. But that is something that Pierre Dorian is aware of, and he usually does get done in the offseason. So, that that's good at least honorable mention for me Ross is they need to bring in some more front office staff like the fact that this is a team with this much talent and this much potential and they don't have the front office staff to support them and make sure that the team the franchise the business as a whole is running effectively that can't continue if this team's going to have success success drips from the top down and they need to bolster that front office staff, especially after firing Pierre Maguire. So that would be my honorable mention for this checklist. JP with a great point, talking about a sense of belonging that needs to be established for everyone in the community and hoping that even fans who aren't hardcore fans of the team should want to purchase tickets because it's a fun event. But again, that's not on Dorian. JP mentions that. Reese talks about getting a top six winger and getting uh, rid of Zaitsev, but he also says clearing up the goaltending situation with Murray being the preferred option to go. Now, the reason why I think Murray maybe staying is for the best is he played well when he was in net, and then if he does ultimately get hurt, then insurance covers all but $1 million of his contract. So yeah. I, I can see how that could be a solid play here. Spencer saying get rid of the pieces that don't work. So again, doubling down on addition by subtraction. And here's a solid point from Spencer. Even guys with a year left we should discuss. And that would be Tim Stutzla, yep. among others. Probably most notably Tim Stutzla. What do you think about potentially getting locked up this offseason? I mean, in an ideal world, sure. Tim Stutz is not going to be interested in that, though. Yeah, I I agree here uh, as well. Joe Albert uh, mentioning this is uh, this is solid. Get a top six forward, get a top four D, and extend Norris. I mean, those two things are a little bit easier said rather than done. What do you think about people asking for a new director of pro scouting? I don't think the scouting is the issue, and. I think that's one area where, yeah, maybe you can add some extra pieces just to take a load off some of the, some of the scouts, but that's not where the issue is in my mind. 
Yeah. What uh, What do you think about Michael Delzato? Some people here are saying trade MDZ. Yeah, sure. You can trade him. And the, the reason you would trade him is because of the, the, the relationship having totally soured between him and the team. The people, I'll say this again, the people that are advocating to buy Michael Delzato out, that is, I, I don't understand that at all. He it's only has one more year it, yeah. at two million. Like that's such an unnecessary buyout when the Sens have, what, we just talked about it, three, four guys, maybe that would be much more uh, efficient buyout. So the buyout MDZ, I won't hear any of that. It doesn't make sense. But trading him, sure, that's fine. Yeah, yeah that's fair. I think he would probably as well. AJ mentioning uh, invest in an analytics department. Clearly Ottawa did do that. Um, Spencer, I like this answer here. Muzaitsev adds zero over-the-hill veterans at minimum one top-end forward. So that's kind of the yep. opposite of addition by subtraction is don't cause yourself any problems that don't need to exactly. be had. This is yeah. clearly from a, a Canucks fan saying trade for Tyler Myers three times over. I think that's a guy who they would like to get rid of, much like they did with Hamannick, although I would take Hamannick over him in a hurry. So um, we've got fix the defense as well from Sense fan Stu. We've got Bruce mentioning <laughs> avoid the temptation of filling out the roster with AHL talent. So, um, so a lot of Giroux talk here as well. Um, yeah, there's there's a lot. We've also got, you know, Alex Formanton as an RFA. Yep. So there's other guys who you have to understand where they're going to fit into the pay scale going forward. We've got some salty replies as well. People thinking that Dorian's not the right man for the job. <laughs> Hire trots and then quit. Okay, that would be uh, that would be <laughs> a <drop>. wild <laughs> that would be a wild maneuver. I don't know if uh, if Twitter organized this with a lot more just like all the positive things at the bottom because now they're just getting a little wild down here. But top six forward, top four defenseman, and Josh Norris extending is clearly the top three priorities yes. in terms of what I'm seeing here from the fans. But also getting rid of Zaitsev at all costs. But I think people are saying at all costs, Pilsy, and then they're like, no, no, but not. For the seventh overall pick. No, no, no. No, no. That <laughs> that cannot happen. I, but you could happen. probably include it with a seventh overall pick, but still get value. We saw Vancouver got Connor Garland and um, a solid uh, defenseman as well. And Ekman Lar bought a guy who's making big money. So I was going to say, that was kind of Arizona offloading Ekman Larson's yeah. deal as well. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Well, we went long. Shocker. If you've been following along with Locked On Senators, you know, we like getting uh, into it. But we're going to post that last conversation as its own video on YouTube. If you've been following along on YouTube and subscribing, we really appreciate that. If you notice a few more short videos, we're just trying to maximize, A, the revenue, but also making sure that you can have, like, more bite-sized portion. So, of course, if you're listening in the car, you're doing whatever, we appreciate you listening to the pod as well. But sometimes on YouTube... Sometimes on YouTube, you just want like a quick little, you know, eight minute video, nine minute video. So if you want full episodes, we've got our full playlist of full episodes, but also we're going to be scattering in some of these shorter videos as well from the podcast. Last thing before we go, Pilsy, we like Roger Lajoie. He was a teacher of ours at CSM. He's also the director of marketing for the Ottawa Senators. So you can kind of understand yesterday he's doing his radio show on the Fan 590. And if there's one thing we learned about Roger Lajoie Pilsy, he's got his hand in as many things as possible. Official score for the Toronto Blue Jays, a manager of this, a manager of that, teacher at College of Sports Media. It's just kind of who he is. But when you're advocating for the Leafs to get the best free agent to get over the hump and use the hashtag Leafs forever and your bio, the first thing says director of marketing for the Ottawa Senators, 
and then you see the location the guy lives in the GTA, you can understand why Sens fans got a little uppity about that. Yeah, that's the thing. Like the, the Sens marketing team, there's so much marketable guys on this team. Like they need to do a better job of focusing and highlighting those guys. Like I think Steve on Sens was mentioning today that the Brady wasn't signed when they made their initial uh, initial marketing push at the start of the season. Correct. And then they just didn't put him in any of the marketing promotional stuff, even though he signed later because they're just like, well, that that'd be some more editing and a couple hours of work. So we just, we just won't him include him. The most marketable yeah. guy on this team, the captain of the franchise locked up long-term. So the marketing side of things in Ottawa needs to improve because there are hungry fans. There is content available, as you guys know, us going every day and going long, as we just talked about. So the opportunity is there, and they need to seize that, and clearly they're not. Again, we do like Roger. Wish him the best, but I don't know if this is the best spot moving forward. You want to have people who are in the community when you're talking about a marketing role. Mm-hmm. So away she goes. I know that that got a lot of uh, of play. And if we didn't know the person, we'd probably go a little harder on them. But you know what? We like Rog. He was a teacher of ours at College of Sports Media. But I was shocked when I learned that he was working for the Ottawa Senators and hosting a show on the Fan 590. It just kind of seems like you got your hand in two opposite things, stretching yourself a little bit thin. Great radio host, though. I know you've been on with him a couple times. We love Raj and wish him all the best here going forward. But for today, we say goodbye. Thank you for listening or watching the Locked On Senators podcast. We're free and available wherever you download yours. You can also follow the show on social media at Send Central on Twitter, LockedOn.Senators on Instagram. And please subscribe to our YouTube channel, Locked On Senators. For today, we say goodbye. We'll be back tomorrow with a very special guest. For Brandon Piller, I'm Ross Levitan. This has been the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day.